Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, DGens and DGenettes, to another episode of the Alfalfa Podcast. We are four radically moderate entrepreneurs and investors swimming in the messy gray ocean, serving up alpha in money, politics, and life. We are Nick Urbani, Eric Johansson, Stephen Cesaro, and I am Armand Asadi. All links at alfalfapod.com. Make sure to hit subscribe wherever you are listening or watching on YouTube and follow us on the socials. And most importantly, hop in our Discord to join the community for the after party and more alfalfa. Nick's reviewing the Discord right now. Yep. We're on a detox though, Nick. You have a timer set for... Oh. <laughs> Are you mindlessly is... scrolling the Discord? I think I was. No, <laughs> no I wasn't mindlessly least, doing it. At least three this minutes is, just is, went by. This is blocked off in my calendar as alfalfa time. Hmm. This is alpha alpha. Well, if you're doing that, at least give us the TLDR of the day. What's going on in the Discord? Um, let's see here. Um, Any memes? A lot of detox. I'm in the life channel. Um, people Love are talking about channel. shrooms. <laughs> um, well, Calcium Bagel told us our episode wasn't showing up. Thank you, Calcium. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> is everything okay, guys? <laughs> Um, Fix yeah. that. Thank yeah, you. It wasn't. I think so. we should ask people to leave a review. Please ask, dude. Uh, c- could you guys leave a review, please? <laughs> Where? Uh, Apple? Uh, all the places. All Apple? The places. Spotify? Rate, review, subscribe? Yeah, rate, review, subscribe. Like Send that. flowers? Yeah. Would oh. you actually accept flowers? Of course I would. I love flowers. <laughs> also, we noticed a smidge of an uptick on the YouTube channel. So oh, yeah. uh, if you're not. Uh, subscribe to go check it out there's a bunch of shorts from the episodes there and then of course the the full episodes yeah we gave up the whole two youtube channels thing right we have one out the door one youtube channel not a separate one for clips and shorts so just subscribe to the main mm. alfalfa Alpha podcast channel is this our first sober pod we're all so gentle and yeah, everything's same. just like Please. It's that, and I've been sitting here for an hour and a half waiting oh, for a go. to get the lights set up. Okay. Now I can't play pickleball. I might as well be a slave. <laughs> <laughs> Cobalt the mines? All caps. <laughs> I name all caps in the group thread. I was oh like, my. I literally was like sweating bullets <laughs> as I get that text. Um, yeah, this is our first ever pod where we're all sober, so... God, I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we're talking money. Money and doesn't no caffeine go. either, by the way. I know. That's the hardest part. Yeah. I know. I was actually drinking that Coca-Cola, and then I felt bad, and I just dumped it in the sink. Yeah. What a good, good. boy. I yeah. know. I was like, mm. I felt, I felt like a little twinge in my brain. Like, yeah. like ooh. I, I felt like a ooh in the back well, of my head. In case you guys are wondering, this is herbal tea. Okay. Oh, all right. yeah. Did you? something. We need to check that uh, at the door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 He's just drinking mm. straight mezcal. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, you guys want to jump into some money talk? Yeah. All right, Nick, you had you you, you were doing some stuff. Yeah. What'd you, what'd so, you do? um, I have had some puts on the S and P five hundred SPY, and I decided to uh, do a little more concentrated play on that by buying some puts on Apple. And the main reason is one, it was a concentrated way to kind of play the the same thing that I've been doing, which is uh, uh, betting downward volatility in the S&P 500. But it's also kind of a play on um, a recession in China and Europe. So uh, Apple gets about 17% of the revenue from China and about another 25% from Europe. And they're heavily, so they're heavily weighted on China. And a lot of people talk about the supply side issue with uh, Apple and China, but they don't really talk about the demand side. So um, I still think there that China is probably in a recession more than more than we we fully realize it, and so this is a way to play that. I think also UK Germany will also be hit hardest in in like a slowdown, and so it's kind of a play on that. Um, so is Microsoft, by the way. Microsoft is number two in the S and P five hundred, um, and they get about half of their revenue outside the U S. So that's also a play. I was also looking at just some of the the big um, growth stocks and where they are above their pre-COVID peaks and kind of where their PE ratios are at. So some, some numbers, Google's, um, you know, about 20% above its pre-COVID highs. It's at an 18X multiple. Um, Amazon is minus 15%. So it's actually below its COVID highs, still at a 78X multiple. 
Uh, Meta's 38% below its pre-COVID highs and at a 12x multiple. And then you look at Apple, and Apple's 62% above its pre-COVID peak. It's trading at a 20x um, you know, multiple. So um, Microsoft's 41% above its pre-COVID peak, trading at a 26x multiple. So I don't know. Those those two look like a turnover. Um, you know, they kind of have to go hand in hand. Those two probably have to go down for the S and P to move significantly down. I mean, Apple's more physical stuff than Microsoft, right? Yeah, kind of hate their business more know. right now. This is more Eric's wheelhouse, but well, my thought my I thought mean. is like uh, you're talking about consumer <laughs> demand in China. I think if they're in a recession, it's very easy to like delay your um, hardware purchases. So I think that one makes sense to me. You know, Microsoft, I think a lot of that business is enterprise. You know, it's harder to, to analyze. Um, yeah. I would like to see like uh, all your analysis on the, like you said, percent above or below uh, pre-COVID. I'd like to see what the, the crypto coins are doing on that same Well, it's funny scale. I guess the reason it got brought up because we were talking about ADA and how ADA is still, Cardano is still above its pre-COVID prices. And by how, a lot. Yeah. yeah, by a lot. And we were like, oh, that, that's interesting. And it caused us to look closer at it. And that's why some of us are still shorting it. Um, and so when I happened to compare these, I was like, oh, Apple's trading like a, like almost like a, a uh, shit coin. Yeah, shit coin. <laughs> it's, it's obviously not. <clears throat> but, uh, but what about the majors? What about like Bitcoin ETH? Are, are those, how are those doing? Uh, relative? Still above, way above. Way above? Yeah, way above. ETH is way above. What was ETH's COVID low? Like $80? Well, that was the COVID low. What about the pre COVID high? Um, pre-COVID high? You mean like 2017, No, no, I guess like pre-COVID Basically level. like uh, you're talking about probably like February 2020. Or so, yeah, right? February, mm-hmm. right before COVID hit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, actually, I'm looking at the wrong time. Let's see. February 2020, we're sitting at like 200 bucks. Wow. 170, wow. 200 bucks. Yeah. So you're doing great. Wow. So yeah. far. So far. I actually wanted to ask you about um, Meta. Like I was thinking oh, yeah. Meta is maybe an interesting trade. Maybe it's like a like a long versus the NASDAQ or something. Yeah, I mean, from, from an advertiser perspective, it's just been a horrible run being an advertiser, a customer of Meta, not a consumer, but a customer for the last two years. It's just been horrific. Like most businesses would say that how i mean does, is that reflected do you think that that's a big part of what's going on totally yeah i think it, well it's two it really it's two narratives horrific. it's one it's it's their lack of ability to like attribute sales that come from facebook and to use the data they used to to target appropriately and then it's also zuck spending on yeah on metaverse. spending a lot of money on the metaverse but i think it's more the first Market thing it. and it, what was it it's apple changing their their policies with Facebook, so Facebook can no longer capture the same data that they used to. Yeah, it has to do with like you know third party cookies and what kind of data that a an application like uh, Facebook can can collect. Because I don't think people understood how much data they could collect, and then they could use that to determine what you would you will purchase. And I mean, I look at like the re- the ROI from pre, you know, uh, like call it yeah pre twenty twenty, it was it was great. And just in the last couple of years, it's, it's, it's tough. It's garbage. And it's, it's one that they're, they're less effective. And then two, they can't even attribute, meaning you can't even tell where a sale came from. A sale came in. Which if you're doing any type of like performance marketing means you're just literally not doing performance marketing. Right. Anymore. If the ROI <laughs> shows lower, you're going to spend lower, yeah. you know? And so, so you don't have the ability to like push on the gas pedal like you used to. You can't all. do it confidently. So you're just not going to do it because you don't want to light money on fire. I mean, that being said, they're like, 12x earnings like even if earnings are maybe i mean earnings are still growing i mean revenue is growing you know and if you kind of lump out the r&d spend i don't know if you if you should when analyzing the security i I don't think you should no (laughs) but like i've heard a lot of people talking about how the new narrative is going to be like tech as like a value stock in the relative near future um Maybe Facebook fits that mold. It's kind of been it's it's been beaten to hell. I mean, it's up like fifty percent from the lows, but right. it, it got beat to hell. I think an interesting thing about Facebook stock is that you can kind of play it as like a. I feel like you can play it as almost like a free roll on TikTok getting banned, right? Like I think there's a pretty high probability TikTok ends up getting banned. Like I feel like the 
banning it on the government phones is like just foot in the door, but it, it seems kind of inevitable that they're going to just, you're calling it inevitable. I don't, I would, I would say it's less than 50% chance over what time horizon. I wouldn't buy, Ever. buy Ever? the stock. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't I buy mean, I'll, the st- I'll, I'll place a wager in the next two years if you want. I wouldn't buy Facebook solely on that. I buy it on just cause the valuation is really low and the company's actually still growing. It's a free yeah. roll though. Yeah. For what I think is like a relatively high probability event. And like if TikTok goes down, then who's going to replace it? Like Facebook is with like shorts and everything uh, or on, on Instagram or reels rather. Um, or they'll roll something out that'll, that'll take it. Um, the other thing is like, if I feel like if China invades Taiwan, then oh, we're all also yeah, TikTok is, is toast probably in that scenario. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think a lot more shit's fucked in that scenario. Yeah. But like, I don't know how much does that hurt Facebook's business model? Advertisers, man. I mean, I, I mean, their their customer base are all over the world. Like, I, I don't know if uh, the advertising engines will be. But if you play it as like, uh, what, if, what if you play it as like a, like a pair trade? You know. Okay, that's interesting. Like they don't. I don't know. I'm I'm yeah. literally just saying nonsense right yeah, now. Yeah. That's just coming off the top of my head. So you know. Do you have yeah. anything for this week? Um, I, I I found a cool little site. I actually hope now that I look at it, it's not just a giant scam. Cause it looks like it reminds me of like an antivirus site when I look at it. It's a, you're doing the due diligence now on the site as you're about to tell us. I mean, I've been using it. You don't oh, connect okay. a wallet to it or anything. You just browse it. Um, yeah, it just silently installs things. On it's your called, it's called token unlock token dot unlocks dot app. Um, no, like I'm, I'm always like searching that. for yeah, the, it's, too uh, long. <laughs> it's way too long. Well, I'm always searching for like the, the vesting schedules right. of all these tokens and oh, everything. Yeah. It's like all in here. It's like wow. kind of nice. Um, it's you got any uh, juicy ones that are about to unlock bigly soon? I, I was just looking at like Lido um, because we're talking about that possibly now. I don't know. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, there there's like 350,000 or so like just a day in sell pressure on Lido right now just from daily unlocks. Uh, and then there's like a new bulk unlock that starts in August. Apparently, they have a, a very uh, large spread between the the market cap and the fully diluted market cap, right? Like there's a there's a low circulation of total coins because I, so much is left to be unlocked. I, yeah, that's what I, I don't understood. think. I, I don't so. remember that. I don't remember that. Like on coin market cap, it's like an eighty percent difference. But coin oh. market cap is like has Rocket Pool at it. it's fully diluted, but that's oh, okay. not true because Rocket Pool is inflating at like five percent a year. Um, but yeah, I mean, do, do, do you want to just do you want to talk about the, the yeah, yeah let's, right. let's talk about it. I mean, I, I got very excited for this episode because I started like looking into stuff and it got me like kind of pumped on crypto again for the first time. And same dude, Welcome a back. long time, <laughs> like, it's been so much depression. Um, but I was like looking through this and, and I see like a like a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, maybe we should take a step back for people who don't know what we're talking about. Right. And when we say like liquid staking derivatives, there, there are these. Um, protocols that basically handle the staking of your Ethereum for you. Like, and it's like as easy as literally just swapping your ETH for like a tokenized version of their uh, staked ETH. Um, the most popular one by far, uh, Lido at a, uh, what are they? Lido.fi. Um, mm-hmm. And then Rocket Pool is uh, number two. There, uh, three, believe, actually right? Coinbase three. is number two. Oh no, the, but Coinbase uh, yeah, I guess we're, we're talking about decentralized ones. Yeah, they don't have a derivative coin like a. Yeah, I mean Coinbase has Coinbase. And they don't have the liquid staking, do they? Yeah, yeah, they do. It's liquid? Yeah. yeah, they have Coinbase ETH. Yeah, you can buy CB ETH. You can buy it. So it's trading uh, traded at a hefty discount. A short, not that long ago, actually, that was like kind of like an interesting play. Um, anyway, like yeah, I, I what. I'm curious, did, did you guys have any like mega takeaways from this? Um, how do you feel, I guess, just about each of the protocols you like looked at? Do you, do you have like any like super favorites, questions, concerns, anything? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, when you look at Lido, it's obviously got the, the most amount of, I think it's what, 80, 80% market share of the liquid staking protocols. So it's, it's the big weight. It's huge. And the reason I, when I look at like, why did I use it? One, I wanted, you know, kind of use the biggest one just cause lowest risk, but it was also the one that I could uh, do most in DeFi. I could use it as collateral and Aave and, 
and kind of start there and, and, and use it around. I'm, uh, you know, in a balancer pool. Um, and I'm sure, um, you know, uh, rocket pool will, will catch up. It, it is catching up in terms of like how much integrations, but there is kind of a, a mini network effect, I think that, that happens because it's the largest one. So that, that's, that's interesting to me. Yeah. Like if you're going to, uh, exchange your ETH for, for an alternate token or just buy like ST ETH utility is the number one thing yeah. after risk, right? Well, ma- maybe the return, the return you're getting from. Sure. That's yeah. like the original intent for most people, but it kind of ends up working out that what they care about most is utility. My, my question for these liquid staking derivatives like um, LDO and RPL is where does the value, which one has most value accrual to it? To, and the, to the protocol to, token. To, to the actual token. Yeah, the protocol token. And does it even matter? Like, does it matter if value accrues to the token or not? Is it just the fact that, you know, uh, people are going to be like staking good, staking big deal, buy derivative token, and that'll be it. So I looked at Lido, and okay. the answer is it's a worthless GovCoin. But valueless GovCoin. But the, the GovCoin Uniswap-esque, right? Does control yes. the it treasury. Controls, well, it doesn't control it. It has like a voting right to the treasury. And the treasury is is significant. They have a lot of money. But in none of the cases that we've seen, like Uniswap, like you have these governance rights to the treasury. In none of the cases does the treasury get distributed out to the token holders. Yeah. I mean, Not we're yet. also just so impatient in crypto, yeah. you know, like some, like it's normal for this to take like 10 years in the, uh, in the TradFi markets, you know, well, if, in Uniswap, if not longer. In this case, there's like a, a very concentrated set of holders. So you, you know, you kind of need to, well, the governance is a bit of a, a sham. Yeah. And, right. Right. Cause it's, it's like two people. Uniswap labs and a 16 Z. And then you get yeah. your vote. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Here's a few shekels, meh. Thanks for playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so LDO token, nothing there. I, I don't like it, but it well, like they said, you do have this like voting right over the over the treasury. You know, yeah, it's so like they take their bank a, account. They take a ten percent rip on the staking rewards in order to handle this for you and provide a liquid option to trade in and out of staked ETH, um, since withdrawals aren't allowed on on mainnet. So, so then does your original question matter? Like, I don't know. Um, you know, no, but, your, but ha- your original question does matter. The value accrual question. Yes. I'm curious about that. Yes, it matters and it, and it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter at all for the next like three to six months, probably like probably zero. Um, but it matters a lot. Like if this is like a, like a long-term moon bag for you, I think. And I think there are interesting structural differences in how these things are, are built that are going to, sort of change how they, they end up like growing, <coughs> excuse me, over time. Um, so I think in the long run, you just kind of, it, it, well, in the short run, you probably like, I think it's a fine trade to just spam these things right now. Um, not like a huge chunk of your portfolio, but like, I, I, I think there's You're talking long-term accumulation. No, I know. I mean, like if you want to play like one of these, like kind of two, three month kind of merge, sell the news type trades, um, which I think is actually an interesting topic as well that we can talk about later. Like, is this basically merge sell the news for now? Um, but I think if you're going longer term, um, then you, you, you want to care about how those things accrue. Like I personally like really like rocket pool, like a from, lot from a investment a of or? the, of the token of the, yeah. Like I am going to like accumulate it for like a longer term bag. Um, I feel pretty good about it. One thing that I, I think is kind of bad about Lido's model, other than the fact that like there's just no direct value accrual for the token holders, is that kind of seems that in the long run, like those fees are just going to get compressed, right? Like it's just 10% now, but it's going to go to 5% in the future and then 2%. And then like their margins just kind of get squeezed into to nothingness, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it, assuming that there's not some massive sticky like network effect for their token versus other tokens, which I, I don't know if there will be. Like, I think there's going to be a huge push to get like a lot. I think like a lot of like tokenized like ETH um, derivatives are going to be like put in all sorts of lending markets. So like, I don't, I think that they're at the peak of their network effect right now. And that like, they're like the only one on, on, on Ave, right? Yeah. Last I checked, um, which is like a huge moat, but like, that's like their peak moat. Like, so I think they're at peak moat for that. 
And they're at peak moat in terms of like the fees they can charge. And then what? What's interesting about the rocket pool tokenomics is I, I think you have to have like 10% of the value of the node in rocket pool token. In RPL, yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily matter what the fees are in terms of like, I mean, there is some feedback loop there, right? But the rocket pool token just goes up. It's a bet on staking. Yeah, as more people stake, um, just because it's it's just like a component of like having a node. Like and obvious- as ETH price goes up, right? Because it's 10% of the ETH value that, that you need as that, collateral. That's so a good point. You have to buy, as ETH that. goes- Can't if, wait to explain that? that? 10% of the You have to provide value. collateral when you are- uh, you know, being a is a node operator. Yeah, if yeah. you want to operate a wait, maybe we should back up a yeah. step too. Do you do you understand the difference between like Lido and and Rocket Pool and and how well, they sort of function? A mm, little bit, a little bit. Um, so the cool thing about so Lido currently, in order to be like a, a to, to to be like a, a like a, a node there or a validator there, like you have to be approved by the DAO. Currently, I think it's this kind of like permission process to get in. Um, I think that anybody can can anybody become like a rocket pool validator if you just like you just need check 16 particular e. I thought yeah I thought yeah. so. so I looked at that. So the design of rocket pool is cool because it like really incentivizes a bunch of people to come in and start running these nodes. Like you can go set up a rocket pool node. And the cool thing about running a rocket pool node is that you get a cut of the other ETH in your node, right? So you know how a node uh, or a validator, I keep, we keep like using these things wrong. Yeah, I also thought we were talking <laughs> about staking. So we're talking yeah. specifically We're talking about, about staking. You know how when you, originally when you had to stake, it had to be 32 ETH. Yeah. And then the whole reason we're doing this liquid staking thing is because people don't have 32 ETH. So now right. you can stake one ETH or like 0.1 ETH, right? So when you run a rocket pool node, you, you, put, up, you put up 16 um, ETH, you put up half of it, and then the other 16 ETH comes Pools. from all the, the people who want to come in and chip in like a little bit of ETH. So you're sort of like the, the, the guardian of your node and you sort of shepherd everybody to their state. But there's no version right? of this on Lido, right? No, you're Lido. Just, you're just a piece of the, you're just basically. Yeah, buying. you're like approved by the DAO to run these things. So it's like a far more permissioned thing at the moment. I think there's like a roadmap for that to become like more decentralized in the future, but not really right now. But the really cool thing with Rocket Pool is, right? So if you if if you run a Rocket Pool node, right? You get not just the 4.5% from your ETH, you also get 15% right now of the 4.5% from the other ETH in your node that are that's like making up the other half of it. So you're getting like 6.5% from staking plus you have to put up this Rocket Pool um, to kind of like as like additional collateral on your node that earns interest as well. I think like eight or 9% right now. So I think it current, the way everything is currently going, like if you run a rocket pool validator, you are getting like 15% for, for doing that. Work. But you're only getting 8% on the 10% worth of ETH, right? Cause you're only putting 10% yeah, whatever, of value. Whatever you're using is collateral. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so that's it's not an effective point. So it's, it's, it's uh, seven, seven and a half An effective rate of 7%. Effective. I mean, they yeah. allow you to, to uh, collateralize up to 150% of, you, oh, of you RPL could. if you want to uh, yield more. Right. And it's, no, it's, essentially, it's yeah. essentially insurance, right? Like if something happens with your node, that yeah, like collateral if, gets if taken. You, if you fuck up anything on your node, right? Like say you just totally fuck off to Nepal and your node goes offline <laughs> yeah. and the people who are in your thing like lose money. When you want to withdraw your ETH, Rocket Pool goes, no, 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 no. We make everybody in your thing whole first. Then you get to take your ETH out. So this makes it so that like people who are coming in and just doing like, I want to do like little liquid staking with my small amounts of ETH, they can feel protected knowing that like whoever's running their uh, you know, the validator yeah. isn't like going to totally screw everything up. So there is like a responsibility there, but it's, it's, it's kind of interesting in how much it's compensating you for. Obviously there's like this upkeep there. I wonder what happens. Like we've only been talking about when, um, you know, li people want li more liquid staking, but what happens with people don't want to like, do they just start shutting off these nodes? If they're like, Hey, there's not enough people who, you know, who, who, who want have demand for, uh, our ETH. We got to start shutting you guys down. Um, I don't think we'll have to worry about that in the short run, but I yeah. find that curious how you kind of like uh, wind up and wind down. I don't know. And incentivize people 
appropriately. But in any case, so uh, there's there's a reason. Like as staking goes up, there's a reason to buy more RPL. You have to buy it. Yeah, it's like a very direct line between the price of ETH and staking. It's kind of like the token is programmed to go up to an extent. It's like it's almost like its own little mini ETH thing, except it doesn't doesn't have like the burn yep. elements to it. So would you have to continue contributing more RPL to your own uh, validator node? Like if, if ETH price keeps going higher, you have your That's a good even question. 32 ETH in there. It's all yours. You've collateralized it at, at initiation. Do you have to like keep contributing as ETH price continues to go higher? That's a good to question. Maintain the Actually, the 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Somebody look that up and tell us. I would really hope not. That would be such a pain <laughs> that, in the ass. That would I don't think be, anybody would do that. It seems like it would be kind of terrible. So yeah, I, I terrible. I saw, um, I should give credit to this guy, uh, Thor... Hartvigensen on Twitter. Hartvigensen. Um, anyway, he did an analysis actually this morning on oh, some wow. of these liquid staking derivatives. It was timely. Share it in and, the Discord, please. And, and the way that uh, he looked at the valuation of these tokens was he took um, the total market cap of, say, LDO and RPL and divided by the, the amount of ETH that is staked in the protocol. And so if you take that ratio, actually Lido is the most undervalued. It has a ratio of 230 to one in terms of market cap value divided by um, TVL basically. Yeah, exactly. Like TVL or amount of ETH staked in there. Whereas uh, RPL is at 867. So roughly, you know, let's call it four, three to three to four times. Yeah. But I looked at, I think I looked at what he was doing too. And it didn't seem like, like it seemed like he was using like rocket. Wasn't he using rocket pools? Like not it's fully like, yeah, it looked like he was using some numbers from Coin Market Cap that aren't correct for Rocket Pool. Like he okay. had their fully diluted valuation at the current market cap, which isn't correct. Um, I'll throw I'll throw this this thread in the uh, in the Discord. I so. think I think what you're what's kind of at the root of what you're saying is that like um, the market is valuing Lido and Rocket Pool differently on the basis of the TVL in them, right? Like Lido right now is valued at 0.2. Uh, like uh, of, of like twenty percent of its TVL, and Rockpool is valued at like seventy. So we see this a lot in DeFi, right? And like the, it, this was kind of like a meme back in the DeFi days, where people would be like, "Look how undervalued this thing." Uniswap is valued at like like one time its TVL, and this is a Dex, and it's only valued at point one. It's like yeah, because like the market thinks your thing is crap, and it's like it has a low probability of like being Uniswap. So it seems like the market like kind of likes like Rocket Pool's tokenomics better. I'm I'm speculating, which makes sense to me because like I like them better. Like when I look at this as an investor, like I, I kind of want to buy, kind of want to buy some Rocket Pool. And it seems like running like doing like a little node where you got like a couple nodes and you got ETH. It seems like a nice mix too. You, you get like ETH and it basically be what like a five like a four to one ratio of like ETH to Rocket Pool. I don't know. That kind of sounds like a nice. That sounds like a nice mix. allocation to begin with. Nice. But then also, like we we talk about ETH so much, and we're so involved in this like ecosystem. I thought from for myself, I was like, well, shit. If I'm going to be real about this, I might as well be a validator and like set up my own node and really get into this and uh, and learn, you right. know, how to the mechanics of how to do it. So I got interested myself. I'm like, shit. I'll just set up a couple nodes. Yeah, it's something I want to look into more because it doesn't seem like it's insanely complicated to do. I wasn't interested in doing it for like 5%, but like, I don't know, like seven and a half, eight percent 8%. It sounds... It's not much, but it's of, honest work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I just think about, I do think about that a lot. You know, you're just like, ah, I'm just going to throw all my ETH in my little Raspberry Pi or whatever. And then, and then if... Right off into the sunset with my If my 8%. electricity goes down, then I'm fucked. <laughs> and and slashed. Yeah. slashed. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I thought about that. Um, but we, we should probably talk about a potential trigger event happening for liquid staking derivatives. So I think the Shanghai update, yes, which is to allow withdrawals. So people have been staking uh, ETH without being able to withdraw it for, I don't know how long, a couple of years. I don't, I don't, I don't know yeah. the exact number, yeah. but something like that. It's been a while. It's been a while. And uh, the only way you've been able to get some liquidity is through these liquid staking uh, protocols. But for the people who are, staking directly on, on mainnet, they haven't been able to pull it out. So the question is when people are allowed to pull out all this ETH, what happens to the, the ETH price? And is this bullish or bearish for 
these uh, liquid staking derivatives, LDO and RPL. Well, I have guy, my own thought on it, but I'm curious. The guy to my left was just looking at a website to tell you when uh, supply unlocks happen. So uh, this, this supply unlocks <laughs> could be important, you're saying? <laughs> well, I, I think this is a- actually an interesting nuanced question. Like, I don't think that ETH unlocks here are the same as like supply unlocks. Like the main thing is like I was looking into like the cost basis of all the people who have staked because like crypto is awesome and you can just there's just data on this. Effectively zero, I'm guessing. 77% of all staked ETH is underwater right now. No way. Whereas like these token unlocks for Lido, they're probably up like a thousand X, right? So the way I'm currently thinking about this is like, okay, if I'm up a thousand X on Lido and I'm getting an unlock in this market, like I'm just dumping it. I'm not thinking to it, it just get it dump. Right. Um, are you, sorry, are you saying 77% of stakers or 77% of the ETH of the ETH that's wow. staked is underwater? Wow. That is yeah, shocking. It's, it's a lot. So people's cost basis right now for all the stake ETH is Vitalik, way above the Vitalik doesn't even believe in this shit. He's like, you suckers are staking. And, and just to be clear, we're talking about two different things, really, but we're trying to say they're similar, right? One is staked ETH unlocking, and the other is actual tokens. Token unlocks. Unlocking yeah. that have never been in the market. So, so, so Sim- it's just similar an analogy, but opposite. right? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. like, people might think they're the same. What I'm trying to get at, I guess, is like, I don't, think the unlocks are bearish. So this could be an inverse you of the merge. Right. Because I think like, imagine right now you've just been through two bearish years. for ETH price or bearish for bearish for, let, let's just talk about ETH price first. Right. Cause I think that's kind of like a lot of this is based on that. Cause so you could argue this stuff's kind of like high beta ETH quote unquote. Um, if I staked ETH at like 3,500 and I just like went through the hell of last year and my ETH like unlocks and everything like, Am I like rushing to dump it like for like a loss now? No, these are inherently long-term holders. I already needed money. Like I probably already sold something else. I think the one thing that scares me is it's probably going to be around like tax time. And sometimes people are like, oh God, I got to pay for tax. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think there'll be a little bit of that, but like the market like knows this is happening, right? Like if the market really thinks everybody's going to dump, like price is going to be suppressed beforehand to a degree, you know, there's going to be some amount of efficiency in the market. So if that doesn't happen, this this 70% though underwater, like if, if they've been staked for two years, that must be that they've been like, yeah. Well, the people who've been in for like two years are doing okay. Doing okay. But like a lot of people came in like, last like a year ago, you know? Yeah, I see. Um, and, and they're, they're, they're wrecked city. Right yeah. Now. If it was me, I probably wouldn't do anything. With I mean, I, I think it's generally uh, bullish if, if this goes off that hitch, cause it's a, it's a big technical risk that maybe you might not. I think maybe some people think, are, can I actually pull out my ETH? Yeah. It's you know? like, it's and like it's, a duh, like, Oh, like, Oh, like, wait, I can just pull this out. All the pegs go one to one. Oh, okay. I feel safe staking now, so I'm going to stake. Or, or if if it doesn't work, your STETH and RETH go to zero because it can't be redeemed. Right? How, many, <laughs> how many of these people do you think um, unstake, but then liquid stake? Oh, I see what you're saying. On um, Lido, or set up a probably very validator. probably very few of them. Like and I don't know who went through the trouble of like running up their own. own validator and then they just pull now it you want to pay 10 percent fees well, yeah. I, I could see a scenario where but i get liquidity well they they would have liquidity post this update because they can just pull it out only if they, if want. they unstake right 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 the people who are in the money staking are those people and get liquidity you can continue staking but you still you have liquidity and it's you, way less every, well, but everybody has you have that's li- like the point of this is like you can does, unstake but does your, lido give your, like your actual validator nodes um ste just to to use in DeFi for their well like i also don't think like people who staked on the beacon chain like two years ago care about liquidity like they were like right. yeah i'm gonna lock up my that's, and they didn't know when this was gonna happen they so, care. They don't so care. i don't think they yeah. care and I, because they don't care i, I don't think they want to sell and they're the most likely to want to sell because they're sitting on gains but they're probably like meh i'm up 100 yeah. percent. i don't see them selling like eth but i i do see a lot of people being like well i can continue earning my rewards, move to liquid staking on Lido or Rocket Pool. There's a case where you you may want to do that if some of these big centralized um, liquid staking protocols like Lido and even Coinbase, um, maybe they're they're better at running MEV strategies than than you are 
with you know whatever you're using to capture MEV. Um, I think that'll eventually uh, go away, but for now, some of these bigger uh, protocols might be yeah. better at it than, than you are, and maybe that make it worth the uh, the fee. I also think like not forgetting who these people are is really important. Like these are going to be the most hardcore Ethereum sort of advocates in general. And I can't imagine that they would then move to something like Lido where there's already centralization risk. And a lot of like ETH bulls are, are sort of wary of that and aware. aware So when is the Shanghai update expected to happen? Q2 2023 this year, spring ish could, I mean, obviously could get pushed back. Yeah, it's Anytime. been known to happen. Yeah, it's been that 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 that's probably actually like a really good risk to mention of taking this trade. Like if you get a pushback, which seems to happen like more more often than not, right? Like eh, market might not like that. You might get dumped on. So that's a risk of taking this little trade here. Um, what what I think is kind of an interesting trade is like, do, do you think that this is like bullish for? like rocket pool ETH pair, like just ignore rocket pool USD. Like right. what if ETH goes down, doesn't this just like automatically increase the amount of ETH that is staked? Like when people can unstake and that risk is removed, like the amount of ETH stake doesn't go down. Right. So if the amount of ETH stake goes up, then this stuff has to at least go up on a valuation relative to ETH. Like Lido ETH has to go up, right? Like rocket pool ETH has to go up. It's, right? I think it's already starting starting to now. Rocket Pool ETH chart has been something I've been looking at for like a while. It looks really good. Like that, like and that and like versus the Lido ETH chart, it's kind of like, eh, it looks like you've been getting dumped on for a while. But the <laughs> Rocket Pool ETH chart looks kind of like up only um lately. It looks really good. Like I thought about taking that trade because like I don't know if I want to be exposed to like crypto USD, but like I don't know, pair trades within crypto are kind of interesting. Right. If you can get them, they can be like I mean that, that's kind of the the criteria for having um something else other than ETH for the next three, four years. Like if you're gonna take fifteen percent of the portfolio and have it in optimism and Matic and um you know LDO RPL it it should obviously hopefully outperform ETH, right? Like uh Either, either be high beta or actually just perform better, right? Yeah. And and like what what we're seeing with something like Rocket Pool that we don't really see with Matic, right? Because Matic is still like a hopium, like, oh, like it's like a hype coin. Oh, people are like biz dev hype coin. Yeah. Like there's no real, like Matic doesn't really like generate like earnings that like of any meaningful thing that gets returned to token holders, right? It just, it just doesn't. But like Rocket Pool is one of these like, I don't know. It looks like a business, right? It looks like, oh, this token provides this service. It's like a service that's valuable to people. I use this because it's providing me value. What do I get in exchange for that value? I get this yield. I see where the yield comes from. It's native of the protocol here. All that backs out. And then the the token has like some sort of earnings model built into it, like some sort of, it's not technically earnings the way it's set up, but like you can see how there is structural this is like one of the things we have in crypto that we don't have in like stocks. Like there's no company that's valued, like it doesn't have earnings, but it just buys back its stock regularly. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like we think about like earnings and TradFi, right? So in crypto, we invented this like perpetual buyback type thing, which maybe we just don't really know how to model well yet, but it, it does make sense that there's value there. People are using a service, they're getting things like they like they, it, it backs out they're not like dumping tokens on the market for marketing it so we're starting to see these real businesses and that's kind of exciting you know i'm, I'm very into it it just made me think that I, I was thinking of other things we've talked about in the past like layer two tokens and like you're talking about business models like these business models are terrible like nothing's gonna make money what you mean the layer two business yeah models? no i think they're really good can't. business models wait, wait i think wait, they wait, generate wait, wait, tons wait, wait, of cash so you get you you're expecting high volume on very low margin the margin is so freaking low but you're still paying security on layer one you're not getting the volumes for any uh time frame that we're expecting to invest in wait why are you paying security don't the users pay security right through through gas like they're yeah. they like batching the transactions through that's that's the that's the whole beauty of a l2 like so if you launch an l1 you have to pay for your own security budget, right? By like basically inflating your token and incentivizing people to to run nodes, validate transactions, whatever. Um, if you run an L2, you outsource all of that to ETH. That's the beauty of it. Like your users pay the security cost via gas, right? And then you get to 
Like okay, so you're just capturing I, I an even business, smaller part of a very very small margin. Like I thought their business model was so capturing they, the MEV of like taking all these yeah. The MEV is a huge. They must be printing ooh, cash every day. Model. MEV makes sense. The other thing you got to think about too is like there's a future world where like the L the L twos or the roll apps, the L threes, however crazy this gets, they have all like the users right. And like, we kind of forget about this in crypto because nobody has users. We're all just playing with the blockchain, but like, you know, in the not too distant future, we're going to be using apps. We'll be using like Arbitrum. Like, I don't know, maybe there's like an Arbitrum app on your phone and you just got all your stuff there. And then like from the user's perspective, they're like, oh, I use like Arbitrum. And they don't think about where this is settling below. And then there's like, maybe like an interesting tension where like maybe Arbitrum's like, wow, well, I, I want to negotiate like lower gas fees or something. We've got all the users that are paying all the gas here. Uh, I, I I don't know. Like, but like, I, I yeah. do think L2s are, are so seem like I'm back business. on board. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're back, baby. We're back. You also can just like, it seems like you can just launch them just for, oh, you I outsource mean, all the hard parts. I mean, to, there's going to gonna be so many shitty L2s <clears throat> getting launched. Cause like, I mean, you're just going to be able to, you know, instead of launching it, I think it's going to be disproportionately easier to launch an L2 versus in the last couple of years to launch an L1. It just launched it on Ethereum. It'd be the L2 for fill in the blank. And, you know, I'm sure they'll play their token games to get the market cap up and dump on people. Absolutely. I'm That'll, be for a nice That'll be fun. That'll be fun. All right, we got something to look farming, forward to. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> 2.0 or something. Man. So um, are, are you guys, you guys are all feeling pretty good about the, the I have tokens. One more or, question. Or, yeah. If you happen to come across it. So I typed in RPL on the token unlocks website. I didn't see any big token unlocks. Did you happen to see any big token unlocks? I think there's RPL? like a consistent like 5% yearly inflation. inflation. Um, I was trying to dig for this too. So if, if somebody has like a better thing, please, please let yeah, me they, know. Yeah, they made a good argument for 5% inflation. They're like, listen, we need this thing to grow. We need to assign value to people that help build the network. So, but, but yeah, I would love to know that. It seems reasonable. Like ETH unlocks. used to be like four plus percent, like all the time. And yeah. this is like a <clears throat> tinier. Well, I, I got to say like, I, it's, I'm glad you kind of liked uh, both you and Eric also liked RPL, the, the tokenomics, the value accrual best. Cause I do like when the, the right curve take and the middle curve take, match you know like <laughs> i like staking derivatives well market cap lower on this one so i'll make more on this one i'll buy this one and well it I scares like me it scares me that the market cap to tvl ratio is so much higher though right yeah i don't i don't know that doesn't concern me i just think that's just because the market thinks the token accrues i like more value i like both you know like i would guess that a token like gmx probably ha- i haven't looked at it but like i would guess it's probably valued like very differently than Lido is because it like accrues direct cash flow and you have to take that into account when modeling so, it. So if you're being conservative, what time horizon are we talking about here for this, uh, for this trade? Is it the year? Um, the entire year? No, I think it's a, a cycle for, for me. Like I'm not taking it for a three month. I'm, I'm waiting for when things feel, you know, I don't know if ETH is going to go to 750, 700, but all my buy triggers are there. And the time I probably buy ETH is probably the time I'll pick up some of these things, like if I could buy all these tokens at the June lows or below the June lows, I would prefer to do that. And um, right now I have like allocated, like, I don't know the exact amount, let's call it like 15% to Optimism, Matic, RPL, and LDO. It sounds the all of, of all crypto or of ETH? Well, that's all I'm, no, that's, that's all, all I'm all acquiring. Crypto. Like I have enough Bitcoin that I don't I'm not buying anymore. 15% of your total crypto of no, what I'm going to purchase this in the next, Uh, hopefully the next six months. Future pacing. Yeah. I don't know what the, what it'll back out to in the total portfolio. Yeah. I kind of agree with you. Like this is the, like to me, this is kind of like high bit of ETH. So I just kind of feel like whenever I'm buying ETH, I kind of want to buy this. I've already nibbled on some ETH. So I'm probably going to go nibble on some of these and I'm probably going to just buy ETH and these at the same time. Like to, to me, this is the most like the forehead like trade of the next bull run. Like in terms of, like it just has to work. I hate it that I just said that. Now it's going to fail. <laughs> it just well, like has to right be a good trade. Right when you said that, I thought of a risk. Okay, so right when you said that, you're like this is done. I was like, what about this? Um, so, I mean, the, the staking part of, of Ethereum's ecosystem is the one that gets the most, uh, I guess, attention from regulators because it, it feels like a security to them. Um, so I guess, do you, do you think there's any risk in buying these liquid staking derivatives 
that. Uh, I mean, that's just a risk to ETH itself if right. that happens. I think so. No, I think you not. just you already. Even on the first in. principles part of that, though, why do we care so much whether something's a security or a commodity? Like it's just the way that it's regulated under the current rule regime. They should change the rules. Like whether something's a security doesn't shouldn't matter that much. Yeah. We think of it as like this death blow. But if it was a security, I'd also I'd buy it. Right. It's <laughs> yeah. like who gives a shit? For us. Yeah. And like I guess yeah. the, the real reason is because you you're like then um placed under stricter uh, regulations. You have to do more reporting and stuff, but like they don't actually want that reporting. If they knew what they're gonna get, it, it would be like the you know, like getting a, if they require any reporting like that, we should send it in uh, print, like printed paper. <laughs> yeah. They like wouldn't have enough storage space for that shit. Speaking of printed paper, I've never yeah, seen that before. I brought printed paper. Wow. It's the first printed yes, contract. Ever signed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I have a, I have a theory I want to run by you to close out this Let's episode. Um, you've heard of the flippening. We've heard of the lapping today. I think that's a, um, is that David Hoffman trademarked the lapping. Yes, yeah, I think it TM. is. Yeah, that's when ETH passes Bitcoin and then doubles the value. Doubles of and, and triples it. <laughs> and triples it. Okay. I was trying to think of a better name for this, but I ended up on the the suckening. Okay. <laughs> what the? <laughs> f- <laughs> All right, it's a workable. It's a workable title. We'll workshop yeah, we'll, it later. We'll have to work with that. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Um, so this is kind of actually a bull case for Ave. Um, also a bull case for ETH, obviously, when you hear it. But like, I think it's actually like an interesting bull case for Aave. Uh, and this is going to go a little into the weeds. But Aave came out with V3 a while ago. And in V3, they came out with a feature called, uh, I think it's called E-Mode. And it basically allows you to borrow like assets against like assets with like extremely extreme. That like, So if you have um, USDC stablecoin, you could borrow USDT at up to 99%, I think. So it allows you to just basically use all of your collateral like, and, and, and do that, right? This isn't, ava- isn't available on mainnet yet. So at some point in the future, V3 is going to come to mainnet and then E-Mode is going to come potentially to these staking derivatives. Now we don't want to do that right now because it would be like a ticking time bomb. If you could imagine if everybody was borrowing like, you know, against their ST ETH collateral, assuming it was one to one and the peg went to, you know, below right. 0.9 at one point and everybody's on hundred to one leverage, it would have been like a disaster. It would have blown yeah. up the whole ecosystem. All right, but, go on, falling. Okay. So the Shanghai fork comes now ST ETH, is just always one to one peg because you can always just arbit by staking, unstaking, whatever. So that that peg risk goes away. So Ave brings V3 to mainnet and then they make all of the staking derivatives, the big ones, E-mode enabled. This basically means that you can take your ST ETH, you borrow 99% ETH against it, convert it back. So you're gonna be able to like Uber leverage the staking yield, right? So this will cause like a like sucking in Vacuuming, should I call it the vacuuming? The vacuuming, the guzzling. Cause all of this like ETH to just be sucked into this like twenty x to one like lever- like so like Gearbox does something like this right now, and you can get like twenty two percent on your staked ETH like if you're willing to take on the smart contract risk and whatever. Like a lot of people are going to go, uh, yes, please, and then the, all the ETH goes in there. ETH like supply obviously gets like vacuumed off the market. So that makes ETH price go up. But like, who's collecting all this value at the application level? Well, Aave. Maybe not like Aave TVL just skyrockets because everybody is doing this particular trade and everybody goes, oh, I should buy Aave coin. Um, I looked at the chart too for Aave. It looks kind of, well, dead, but like good dead. Like it's it's fully died. And <laughs> it's it's, just, it's, been it's like drifting. Flat. It's just been flat. It look, you, you could like optimistically say it's in a bit of an accumulation bottom. So ha, I has think it, that has could it be moved up and trade. down with TVL? Roughly. Um, in the past, against kind ETH of, is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at it against ETH. Against ETH. Um, n- no, because the entirety of the DeFi ecosystem was just to like a LOL scammed you for like, <laughs> To, like, you know, D-Gen Spartan was dancing on everybody's graves about Maker for literally a year and a half straight, maybe two years straight. Like, all of those things were, like, we were all sold the, the De- like, DeFi had its bull market in, like, like October of 2020 or, you know, late 2020, maybe early 20, and then just died. Like, just super died. And then while everything else mooned, the whole 
bull market. Like if you were holding DeFi tokens, you felt like a moron. Um, you know, we were, everybody's hyping up the DeFi index for a while. Then the DeFi index was like, oh my God, like, uh, so is, uh, Aave valueless govcoin? Uh, there is some accrual to it. It's just very small. It's very small. Um, so it's kind of like a hybrid in between thing. I do think these coins are going to have their day. I don't know if this is like a long time, uh, like hold play, but like it like could be like an interesting trade that like not a lot of people are, are talking about right now. And that's also, I think like a really good bull case for ETH. If this happens, um, maybe short term, maybe in the long run, we accidentally blow ourselves up with all the leverage. So to be clear, happens. the sucking is good. The sucking is great. Okay. <laughs> the sucking is great. <laughs> Uh, um, I mean, I, I see that. I mean, we, we talked about, um, I mean, there, there were several, uh, tokens that you, there was tokenized sets of this play that you were talking about, which was putting ST ETH in Aave, borrowing it back out, borrowing ETH against it, swapping ST ETH, putting that more collateral, doing that three times over. So yeah, if, if, if you can borrow up to 99%, it's going to happen because it, it already happened when the risk of deep pegging was still there. Like this is what you could basically do on like abracadabra back in the day with UST. Like there was a while that UST vault was earning like 120% APR. Gee, why did it all blow up? I don't know. But like, (laughs) yeah, people were like infinite looping, just like UST. And it was, it was just driving the price of Luna to the, yeah, this is actually very similar because spell was basically driving Luna price to the moon because everybody was coming in trying to like get hundred percent APR on their stables and that we get to went. update the spreadsheets with 22% staking yields instead of 4%. I would really oh, like that. It's going to look great. Yeah. All right. It doesn't sound very sustainable, Good but times. I'll take it, but I'm in for a bit. Yeah. All right. I'm we in for at a least bag. look at the spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it seems like a good place to wrap it. Yeah. Yeah. I like your theory. I don't want Armand to fall asleep on the table here. So we should Do probably I look asleep. I was fully engaged. You've got a very casual, you look high. Did you smoke weed? What? <laughs> God, that would be a good idea, actually. No one would know. No, no, no. <laughs> I feel like I know, right? <laughs> I feel like you're scamming. Could me. not be more sober, and we all could not be more sober. So, this is the most sober episode ever. Sober. I still enjoyed it. Soberly sober. Hope well, you all did out there, too. Hope we still have Much fans love. Uh, Peace. next week. For Thank the record, for Steven looks more asleep than I do. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.